Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome into the WEEI Celtics podcast. Celtics lose the... Celtics lose tremendously down in Atlanta in Game 5. I am your host, Sam Packard, joined as always by Jared Weiss. How are you doing today, Jared? I'm just playing the 2-3 zone, waiting for Kyle Corver to hit a 3. That is not a good strategy, and we are joined, as we are always in the playoffs, by Chris Forsberg from ESPN Boston. Christopher, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm just perusing the selection on SeatGeek.com. Jared, know anything about SeatGeek? I, actually, no. I need you to stop talking because SeatGeek is out. And Blue Apron is in. If you want to get a delicious meal, go to Blue Apron. I'm sure SeatGeek will be back for the next one. But I was told that Blue Apron is all over, just slobbering all over, wanting to get some of that podcast action. So uh, I get, I get all, I actually get all my meals through Blue Apron. I've actually been meaning to sign up, so that's actually great to know. Should what I code would I use if I wanted to sign up, Jared? I think you would use Chris Forsberg, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> No, I don't know if there's a code, but I was just told Blue Apron. Is so you in were the just game. told we're just giving free pub to Blue Apron. I honestly did not sleep last night, and I have no idea what happened today. We're if just we're just giving away, funny. if we're just giving away free advertising, I personally really like Anna's Taqueria and Otto's Pizza in Harvard uh, Harvard Square. Those are my two favorite. Pl- my Anna's is my favorite place. My girlfriend Carolina Otto's her favorite place. We will give them free advertising as long as they want. All right, if they want to pay us, they're welcome to. Wei Celtics podcast powered by Otto's and Anna's. But let's focus on what we came here to talk about, which is Game 5. The Celtics lost, and they look bad. And I'm going to break this down into two storylines, because I'm a man of bifurcation. That's what I like. Isaiah, bad. Hawks, really good. Chris, please explain. Uh, Isaiah Thomas acted as if he had never been trapped in his NBA career. No, that, that's actually not fair. I shouldn't, I shouldn't be that harsh. Uh, the Hawks came out with a game plan designed to make things difficult on Isaiah Thomas, who was the playoffs' leading scorer heading into Game 5. And, I mean, not too much different than throughout the playoffs. Maybe a couple extra bodies in front of him. The difference was that, you know, Isaiah tried to become a facilitator, and his teammates didn't knock down shots. And that caused trouble, especially once the, the defense stopped getting back and they got frustrated with their offense, and that, that it just sort of snowballed. And, I know people want to get like really analytical and like how did how in the world did they go from allowing 19 points in the first 18 minutes to allowing 70 points in the 18 minutes that followed? Uh, you know these things happen. It, it's a snowball effect. The, uh, the Hawks are probably not going to have another stretch where they make 11 shots in a row. But if the Celtics play defense like they did during that stretch in Game Five, it might very well happen. Uh, the good thing for the Celtics is they just need to, you know, tighten things back up a little bit, get back to their principles. I don't think it's one of those uh, things where you need to to, to jump off the ledge. It, it, everything's as Danny Ainge pointed out on the radio this morning. Uh, the best. Hey, thing we don't is, talk about that radio station. Oh, that's right. That's right. That other, uh, as 
as Danny Ainge yelled to his dog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he uh, is that in the playoffs, it doesn't matter if you lose by thirty or by one. It, it all counts the same, and you still got to come back the next night and and try and figure out what went wrong. All right, let's talk about Isaiah and that trap because after the game. Uh, I want to say he was hypercritical of his teammates. He was very uh, emphasized that the other guys needed to make plays. I think he said the other guys need to step up and make plays and probably repeated that uh, six or seven times. And then as also Jay Crowder said um, they didn't really know how to respond to Isaiah being trapped that hard, and he hadn't faced that kind of ball pressure since high school. Or or since the last playoff series that they had against Cleveland. Yeah, does he not We've remember been Tristan about on Thompson? The show forever, yeah. So the question is, um, why do you, do you have any reason as to why it worked this time uh, particularly better? Or is it just the, the the players he was passing the ball to were hurt? The Celtics did have seven, or outside of Isaiah Thomas, the Celtics had 17 turnovers. So clearly something was wrong once once he passed out of that double team. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it's as simple as that. It's, it's, his guys got frustrated really quickly. Like, shots weren't falling. Like, Isaiah's mad because he's not scoring, and he's trying to force stuff. You know, there was, I think, especially when the, the Hawks started to make their, their little rally, I think he had a turnover, a travel in the lane. He missed a little floater. It let him get out in transition. And so he's frustrated and, and, and really can't create for himself because they're, they're blitzing him so hard. And then, you know, his teammates aren't helping him out, and they're getting discouraged. And, and I, I, I know it's like oversimplifying it, but it, it, there is a frustration factor. And I think that's part of maybe the, the bigger frustration if you're a Celtics fan is the fact that, Brad Stevens didn't figure out a way to sort of collect his team at that point. And you can worry about the timeouts or, you know, whatever else you want to complain about in that game. I just think it, it was more concerning that, that the Hawks took off like they did and the Celtics just sort of, you know, almost shrugged their shoulders. I mean, Isaiah goes and changes his shoes. That's helped in the past. I'm, hey, listen, I'm all for superstitions. But um, what they really needed was to kind of, figure things out a little bit more. Isaiah, even if they are trapping him, has got to take advantage when those lanes open. Got a little bit going in that early there in the second half, but I mean seven points is just not gonna cut it. I don't care if they've got the whole team picture on you, you know, you gotta you gotta figure out how to be more of an impactful player if you're if you're the go to guy on that team. And so you it it, it, it it's frustrating if you're a self expand because it, it it it's really it really seems kinda of simple but Again, I think the, the benefit is is that if they kind of get back to what they know what to do, especially on the defensive side, there's a way to fix those things without necessarily having to reinvent the wheel. All right, let's talk about defense because that's where I kind of focus the issues. Hold on, game. I got I got more Isaiah hot takes. Go Ooh, for it. Go, go. Go for Not it. me, but what do you think about the, the, the take that Brad Stevens is to blame for him getting hurt in that fourth quarter, and what is he doing up or doing in a game when they're they're down by 30? Because I personally think it's one of the laziest, like, quick reactions that you could have. Is like, oh, of course. Like, it, 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 everyone is so, it's way too easy to look at the score and go, oh, what was he doing in there? I mean, have we forgotten the Miami game from oh, two weeks ago? And, and the fact that it's the playoffs and that, you know what, you don't just kind of wave the white flag as easily as you might during a, during a regular season game. Uh, or the fact that, Maybe the best thing in that situation where your entire offense is struggling is to maybe get the kinks out and, and, and head into it with the next game with a little momentum. I have absolutely no problem with him being on the floor. 
I know people want to freak out about that stuff, but it, it, that's just preposterous. Okay, I said a few minutes before it happened that he shouldn't be on the floor, but it wasn't because I was worried he was going to get hurt. It's that I felt the offense wasn't going to go anywhere with him out there, and they had to mess it around by putting out Rogier, Hunter, and all those guys, which he basically did kind of do, but I wouldn't have had even Thomas out there anyway. I would have put all fresh guys in there to see if they can get something happening because I thought that was a better chance of actually sparking something than having some of the guys that were already in there for the second and third quarters out there. But obviously, you don't you don't expect the guy to come down and roll his ankle on his own layup uncontested. Right. You know that's you don't you, you don't ever have to plan for that in a playoff game, and you shouldn't coach that way. The one thing we also learned in Isaiah's post game is that he hurt the ankle in the end of game four, which kind of added to people saying, "Well, there's another reason he shouldn't be in there." But <laughs> there's my thing with Brad Stevens and injuries. I really think he doesn't know. So he has plausible deniability about everything. Whenever you ask him about injury, he goes about yeah. what he's been told. And never, it's like, well, they tell me this or they tell me that. I mean, he did that today with Avery Bradley on his conference call. Exactly. Yeah. It's all about plausible so, so, deniability. So what you're telling me is a man who is in control of a basketball team, who has 15 people to watch over, and is meticulous, is so meticulous in his game planning that he knows like every opponent's call, he knows strengths and weaknesses, he watches film until his eyes bleed in order to put his team into the best position, but that he just happens to ignore when the trainer comes over and gives him a rundown of, of like what's happening with his guys. Well, when you put it like that way, it makes me sound like an idiot, Chris, but I, it's not what I was trying to go for. I'm just saying he, the way he interacts with the press, he plays, he acts very aloof. Well, like like Dwayne Casey just said the other day, coaches are always lying at this time of year because why should the coach tell us the truth about something that is basically proprietary information that is a state secret that they need to maintain an advantage? I don't care yeah. when a coach lies about it because it would be stupid for them to tell the truth and hurt their team. I just don't like being lied to by a man I thought cared about me. <laughs> you know, but... you deserve you deserve the truth. All right, I mean, I I'm I'm hurt right now. Let's move on to the defense then. <laughs> okay, yeah. So. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Bring your hot take on the defense, Joey. My hot take was the zone was a mess, and I asked Brad about the zone today, and he said that they don't really practice it. I mean, it's a it's it's something that's kind of fundamental. I think most people, I think we all know how to run a two three zone because we played town ball when we were kids. But one of the big things that I noticed looking through the film was that first off, everybody was sitting back on their heels. And if you're going to play in the zone and you're sitting back on your heels, then you're going to be screwed because you're not going to be able to react when there's an opening on the weak side. And we saw that happen during the Kent, that Kent Bazemore flurry of threes. And that last one that he had that was kind of like the dagger for the second quarter was Isaiah Thomas doubled onto the ball in the corner. And that eventually left an opening on the other side. And everybody was just sitting back on their heels. And nobody rotated over, and Marcus Smart and Jonas Jerebko just watched Ken Bazemore very casually take a three. And that was like every single half-court play for the Celtics, and then they were missing so many shots, so there were so many transition opportunities for the Hawks, and the Hawks were executing perfectly. And if a team's going to be executing well and shooting that well, as a defense, you need to think, I need to play at a different level of intensity, and you just did not see it at all from Boston. That I can agree with that last part. And the zone stuff is so overblown. They went to it for like two, three possessions, and like Atlanta scored on all of them, so it was a big deal. But I think Brad mentioned it today. They went zone for maybe two or three possessions in the previous game, and they didn't score. So, you know, I looked it up, but Synergy, at least, when they, when they judge uh, man-to-man versus zone, I think the Celtics have run maybe 18 total plays in the playoffs in zone, and they're actually like the top two defense or the number one defense in zone, just because in the other instances it hasn't hurt them. It was just 
just like you said, their their intensity, and, and I thought it was more transition, is when those shots were missing, guys were really slow to get back, and all of a sudden you, you let the Hawks kind of spread the floor. There's one sequence when I think when Teague was coming up the, 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 the floor with the ball in transition, Corver ran to the corner. Amir was the only one back. He had to run to Corver because you don't want to give up an open three, and Crowder finally got back and had to foul Teague. Um, but it was just a series like that where, you know, the Celtics, you guys know this. What's, what's the big sign in the locker room? What's the first bullet point on the sign in the locker room? Oh, my God. We we, will. Uh, please tape your, tip your weights. Compete for every ball? Bad, bad, bad. You guys don't pay attention. Of the course not. Says, we say, the first bullet says, we will, and then right below it says, number one, sprint to set our defense. Yep. And the whole philosophy for Brad is that force the opposing team to play in the half-court set because teams are so much less efficient in the half-court versus transition. And whenever the Celtics give up an abundance of transition opportunities, they get burnt, and they don't have the offense to, to counter it. And they, they, they did such a good job during the season for a terrible, terrible shooting team. They always did a really good job of getting back and denying those, those opportunities. Against a team like the Hawks, it's even more important, and it burnt them in Game 5. What's confusing about that kind of lack of effort is they didn't even start poorly. They started rather well, and they were up by yeah. 9 or 10 in the middle of the second quarter. So what was the reason they kind of fell flat? Was it just they saw Isaiah, they didn't have it, or they couldn't break the double team, and they said, oh, might as well not try anymore. Like, what's the reason? <laughs> I mean, that's obviously what they said. They're like, oh, it's yeah. middle of the game. Let's not try it's anymore. It's kind of bizarre to see them go that flat and kind of the energy turned down that much, especially after they saw such early success. See, I don't know if the energy turned down. I don't think they were particularly inspired at the beginning. The Hawks were just missing a ton of shots, and the Celtics were too. But even still, like, the Celtics had a chance to, at that one point, I think they were up, what, 10, and Isaiah missed the three. They had a chance to kind of really put some space, and when that didn't happen, you just see, again, the body language. They got frustrated, and when that when they started slumping, and then the Hawks started scoring, and, you know, you don't expect them to go rip off 11 shots in a row, and uh, I, 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 I'm really surprised they didn't recover better from that instance because that game was still close, like, what, seven points at halftime or something? Like, you know, that when you consider that Isaiah was scoreless, that they were having such troubles, that, that wasn't such a, a deficit that they should have been discouraged, but then to come let the Hawks have a, a you know, a secondary run, in the third quarter really hurt them and, and just never gave them a chance to get back in it. I mean, the first quarter was like a Spartan mud race. They, it was just two teams trying to play really slow, really painful half-court ball, and it wasn't until the Hawks started just blitzing on transition at, off of the Celtics' misses in the second quarter that the game even really turned into a running game. It looked like it was going to be like a 75-74 final score for a while. And everyone loves 74-75. It's what the playoffs Playoff. are for. Rock, rock fights. Woof. Is there any good we can pull from this game? Did any player play well? I mean, <laughs> when you lose by 30, it's hard to kind of take that silver lining. My one player I thought who people are too hard on right now is Jared Sollinger. I thought he played better than he or the best game he's probably played all series. <sighs> I mean, if that's your silver lining, bro. like Bro, give me a better one. I'm, I'm desperate right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if there was. I mean, that's honestly, for uh, that's about as bad... And like even thinking back to last year against Cleveland, they never had a sequence like that where it was it was that bad. They they at least kept their deficits manageable against Cleveland, and I mean that that was just really surprising to see. And I know some people are frustrated with Brad not calling timeouts earlier. I don't think that was a big deal either. If you look at the metrics, like analytics will tell you that sometimes it's better not to call that timeout. And I think it's just a it's a gut feeling on those. Um, I, I don't think there was a silver lining to pluck for the Celtics. The silver lining is that you get to come home for game six 
and you hope that you put out a better effort, that you get some momentum. That being said, they had two games worth of momentum going down to Atlanta. It ultimately comes down to the fact of if they win, if they're lucky enough to get through Game Six, can they put together a forty-eight minute game in Atlanta and, and not get in their own heads? Well, let's talk about uh, Game Six, Chris. Are you a radio professional? Because we have a WEI Celtics mailbag question about Game Six. This is from John Harris at Jive John. He asked a great question last podcast. On a scale from Wingstop to Bojangles, what are the C's chances of winning Game Six? I, I, well, of course, I'm going to put that up at the top of the Bojangles list, if, uh, assuming that he, he's, he's ragging on poor Wingstop there. Um, I will say that there is a, uh, a high probability. Now, you know, we, we, we know how this goes. Like, when teams are in this position and they start worrying about their season, it goes one of two ways. Either you come out really inspired and, you, you know, you put together your best effort, or, you know, you start thinking about your vacation and, and, and things, uh, when things get rough, you kind of... Uh, start dreaming about that 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 trip to the to the Caribbean island. I don't think anybody on the Celtics is is really you know that eager to to be done with this season. I do expect them to to put together a uh, a better effort out here, and I think some a lot of their problems will be solved at home. Like we know they shoot better at home. That 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 for whatever reason the the, the support of the crowd does give them a little extra I don't know confidence or energy or whatever you want to call it. Uh, I would be surprised if they did not win Game Six. I still think the bigger issue is is can they get back down uh, to Atlanta and win that game? But that you'll have to tune in till the next episode of the WEI Celtics podcast to to know how we feel about Game Seven. Well, given how much home court advantage seems to matter in the series, how much more pissed off are the Celtics that the Hawks couldn't beat the Wizards on that final game of the season? Because it seems like at home they're unstoppable; they can do anything. But on the road, they or at least the past what six quarters have really put out a terrible effort. Yeah, and I, I don't know, and it, it's, it will be funny, to, especially to see how that other uh, series with, with Charlotte and Miami will ultimately play, play out. I mean, it, it, it's kind of almost crazy that the teams ended up that close together, that both series went to two-two. That you know, it it, it it speaks to how close those teams were, and I I think regardless of how this all plays out. You know whether it's Boston fans or Miami fans or whatever, everyone's going to sit back after the season and think, well, what what would have happened if we had been the third seed? What would have happened if we had home court? And you know it does make you you, you sort of if you're the Celtics, you start looking back and and not only about those like the Brooklyn losses, not only did that hurt you potentially it could have hurt your draft pick, but now you wonder if they win one of those games if they would have got home court. Like you can second guess everything. Okay, Greg Eisenman asks in the hashtag WEI Celtics tweet bag, why is Jay Solinger on the court in this series? He looks like a lost puppy. Now, I think we've gone way too deep into this topic, so let's just ask for game six, do you see him continuing to be off the bench for 15 minutes? Yeah, I guess so, but maybe just because there's, there's no other option. I mean, I mean, Kelly looked really bad in game five, and you know he'll probably be out there, if nothing else, to space the floor. But I don't know if they have much confidence to go back to him in the in the second half of games, considering how tentative he looks with that shoulder and, and just doesn't look himself. He looked, he, you know, first half he looked lost. I felt like he was, you know, didn't know where to be on in spots, and and that's concerning because that that goes beyond just not having been out there. That's just you know just not being into it. Uh, but Solinger, again, we all know, just not a good series for him. There's no no reason to think that if they somehow were to sneak through this series that he couldn't be effective in the next round. Uh, I know people are are down on him, but 
Um, it's just, it, 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 it's amazing how, how, how the tide is against him right now. People, people are really angry about that. All right, I just spent um, uh, time trying to mad dash to try and find the puppy from Billy Madison, the quote about the puppy who lost its way. And it's being grass out there, and you find that. You just Google Billy Madison, Jared Sullinger, and it comes right up. Well, the puppy, a.k.a. Jared Sullinger, is like society. (laughs) (laughs) And the little boy is industry. And so I think if you put two and two together, Jared Sullinger is going to have a double-double in Game 6. That's my bold prediction. Man, you and your bold predictions. When was the last time you got a bold prediction? Were you the one who picked Zeller to have a big game in the last one? No, uh, last... At the end of last podcast, I predicted that Terry Rozier would play less than 20 minutes, so I think I nailed that one, Chris. And I think I predicted 25 points for Kyle Korver, so I think we could have gotten there if the game stayed competitive. All right, next question. You're speechless. You're speechless. I wanted to get Chris's hot take for game six right there. Oh, his prediction? Go on, Chris. No, no, no. No, no, no game prediction. I want the hot take. What's your specific ridiculous uh, thing that's going to happen? Uh, uh, let's go with trying to think who's going to be the guy who steps up like who the, the storyline will be you know isaiah challenged his teammates to step up and it was player x like, oh god my, i my will throw up if that happens no here's what happens happen. just, just just get ready for it so i got I already, it I already, I already i already wrote my game story i think like, i want to do turner but i don't i don't think it will be him it's got to be someone who's who's gonna like i, I it's more likely to be like jerebko or crowder or someone who, who just bangs a bunch of threes off those open looks and uh but i i don't know i don't have a gut feeling jonas has had he might have had his big games in this series, and Jay just don't know if he's if he's got it with that ankle. So maybe it is. Maybe it will be the the logo. Here's what's going to happen: Isaiah Thomas. He's the sock guy. He's the guy on the team who decides what color socks they're wearing. Mm. So he's going to walk into the locker room. Here's the scene I'm imagining: He walks in the locker room and says, "Guys, we're going with the white socks tonight." And he uh, he tosses a pair across the room, and they land, and they hit Tyler Zeller in the face, and he picks it up and goes, "No, Isaiah." Not tonight. And he throws him back. And then he storms to the court and uh, does not play for the entire game. And Isaiah scores 35 <laughs> points, leading the Celtics to victory. That's that chip on Isaiah's shoulder. That's what he needed. He just needed Tyler Zeller to disrespect his sock game. And then, boom, points. See, I've already written the lead to my game story. It's Boston, dash, dash. Jay Crowder paves a new driveway across the Hawks bench as he has this fourth quadruple-double in Celtics history, and I assume there haven't been any others, as the Celtics lose in overtime and their season's over. How is Jay not a sponsor or like a spokesman for like a garage door industry or like a pavement company? Because there's a lot of money to be made there. <laughs> it's not follow particle board, it's Jay Crowder board. All right, next question, next question from... Oh, who are we going to go with today? Okay, we're going to go with Max. We're going to go with Max Weinstein. We're getting really silly here. That was the one I was looking for. I know Max Weinstein. He's a solid fellow. Who you got in a dance off, James Young or RJ? It's got to be James Young. Like, I mean, that's his biggest skill so far, right? Like, you know, his Instagram videos have have been have been excellent. Uh, I don't know. Have we seen RJ like? I've, I mean, I've seen him pop and lock, and he's, he's got, he's got solid rhythm. He's got solid uh, dexterity. I, th- I think like, he, it would be a good fight. RJ, RJ's got definitely got great bench energy. Like he's the dude who's the first one to, to pop up and go nuts if, if someone gets a, a poster dunk or a crazy play. Um, but I, I think James has got him in the dance off. I think RJ, if he like tried to do anything too aggressive, might break a limb because he's a real slender man. <laughs> 
Oh, and there is he doing the My Boo dance? Okay, right. two days ago, I pulled it up. James Young started doing the Running Man My Boo dance on his Instagram. So I, I, I think he's got to take this one. Although we got to double check RJ's Instagram just to make sure. These are this is what the people want to hear. This is what the people come here for. This is what this is. These, these are the hot takes that 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 push podcasts. Chris, are you aware of the uh, the My Boo Running Man uh, dance phenomenon that's sweeping the nation? I didn't know it was sweeping the nation. I did see James Young's uh, version of it, and oh, that's I started, that's the end of the story. You got to oh, go to the beginning I, of the story. The beginning of the story well, starts in the, the Maryland University of Maryland. Uh, one player just or a number of players just started making a dance to the song "My Boo" by the Ghost Town DJs, which is a certifiable course. jam, and. Other players just uh, from other colleges responded. Uh, a lot of people have been doing it. I saw Justice Winslow and his sister do one. This, I'm, I'm glad it oh, spread to the excellent. Celtics. I was literally doing it in my bedroom yesterday before the game. I can get the I can get the uh, legs down. It's the arms part that I no. can't really figure out. I can't do more. Move all four limbs at once. All right, yeah. Jay Bales ninety six coming through as always with a great question. Would you rather be attacked by a horse sized duck or an army of duck sized horses? That's like the age-old question. And yes. it's obvious. The answer is so obvious. What's a little? What a bunch of little horses going to do? Yeah, what, what are they, what are little horses going to do? Do I have to remind you guys about how uh, ducks fornicate? It is a, a forced process with corkscrews, and that's all I'm going to say on the matter. <laughs> give me the give me the horses. Next question, they, please. No, 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 wait, wait. But, but, and to go back to that question for one second, they must put it in Celtics form. It can't just be like a generic animal. Like you got to say, would you rather be attacked by? One Isaiah Thomas-sized Jared Sollinger or, you know, a million Jared Sollinger-sized Isaiah Thomases, right? Well, that, yeah. then you're just that's, fighting people, yeah. Chris, and that's not cool, man. <laughs> that's uh, But I like it framing it. Okay, would you rather fight a thousand leprechauns or one um, giant hawk? There we go. Ooh. Ooh. Because if it's a hawk, you just got to get one like one good kill shot. Yeah, um, yeah but, but hawks no, are way that, more quick than you think. Hawk, but the leprechauns are magical. Yeah, but and there's a thousand of them. They'll whack you in the shins with their little canes. Have you ever seen Leprechaun in the Hood? That guy is a real dick. Oh, he will murder the shit out of you. Exactly. That's a better <laughs> question. I'm, thank you for the inspiration, um, J-Balls. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> wait, wait, can we let Chris actually pick his his? his I'm sorry, death? yeah, I got real excited. How do you want to go I, out? Go I, I already said, I'm not, I'm not messing with one gigantic-sized hawk. Allens and stuff like that thing will eat you apart. Just Remember stick to the tunnels. Like... You just gotta avoid him. All right, that Obi. Up a baby? Oh yeah, that Ooh, was wild. That's right. All right, Obi McFly asks if he can ask anything. He would want our thoughts on the classic Ricky Davis triple double attempt. I don't know if I have a hot take on that. I thought it was. I mean, it was. It, it symbolized that era of Celtics basketball, right? Like where people are trying to. To, to manufacture rebounds to get some per individual accomplishment, uh, not unlike Ron, Rajon Rondo's digit a, a, assist streak, which oh, was like the, the most preposterous as, as it was, and that the fact that Doc Rivers played into it was uh, was rather foolish. But um, yeah, I, like, I, I think we're we're all trying to forget the, the Ricky Davis here. Okay, and that thread uh, spawned a question from Dan Greenberg. It wasn't even really a question. I'm going to roll with it. Dan Greenberg or Stool Greeny, as the world knows him. Uh, he says the arcade at the Greendale Mall in Worcester is legendary. <laughs> I want to know if that's true because I grew up at the Watertown Mall arcade, and that yeah, was not the, legendary. What are you talking about? The Dream Machine was the, the dream, tits. The Dream Machine was good, but it was no Jillian's. 
Well, yeah, Jillian's so I, is this high, highfalutin, but tell me about the Greenville Mall. Greendale? I've never even heard of this mall. Greendale. Greendale, lovely Worcester, Massachusetts. R.I.P. Uh, so my hometown, Auburn, has, has a mall, but we never had an arcade. And we were, pro- we were probably a little bit of the, of the more upscale mall, I would say, but it, it, it is since. We had a Caldors. Do you guys remember Ooh, Caldors? Oh, nice. No, but it sounds fancy. It was like Target before Target was Target, or like before there was Walmart in town. Like Caldors was the place to be. Um, the Greendale Mall came in a little bit later, and it had a Leechmere. Do you remember what a Leechmere was? It was a train station, right? Oh, God, a company that see? started around Leechmere. Leechmere was like a Best Buy before Best Buy. Like, don't make. I am not this old. Like, you guys have. No, to you're that old. You're pretty old. Yeah. So, um, Chris, when you were um growing up, do you remember seeing Tiffany at the Greendale Mall on her mall tour? <laughs> <laughs> I think that might have actually happened. Uh, How was it when Paula Abdul showed up in your mid twenties? <laughs> the Greendale Wall did have an excellent, excellent arcade. Uh, I need to find out where he's from because, like, not a, for Central Masters, we got to stick together. I mean, uh, but, but, but there's no—I re- don't really have a good Greendale Mall story for you. That was going to uh, be my next question: is what, what's your favorite memory of the Greendale Mall? I, I wish I had one. I did join a gym there, probably. Sometime after college, back so so back in the eighties or something, right? Because <laughs> you're so old. Uh, we all know yeah. you uh, b- became very very grunge involved in the early nineties when you went to school. <laughs> uh, How many I flannels did you own, Forsberg? I, I do have a Kurt Cobain action figure on my desk right oh, now. Oh wow, that is incredible. Can we say for the record, Chris Forsberg is a baby faced angel? <laughs> I noted for the record. Uh, any dissent? No. Nope. No? All right. Chris but, Forsberg is officially born. a baby-faced angel uh, by the ledger of the WEI Celtics podcast. All right, Chris. Yeah. Let's try to end this on a good note. Are we going to be doing a Game 7 preview or a season review podcast on Friday? We will be doing a Game 7 preview. Uh, I, uh, I have boldly put in a Southwest flight, which is uh, does have the ability to be changed, and that's why most writers you'll hear might put in a temporary reservation with them instead of an airline that will charge you $200 to cancel your flight back to, to Georgia. But uh, I do believe this series goes back. Nothing about the first five games has, has suggested otherwise. I think the Celtics win. I think we're here. Uh, what will be Friday night? We'll be, we'll be tearing open the WEEI. The studio will be lit. We will, uh, we will be breaking down an, an exciting game seven. And really, I mean, I guess that, like, again, not to be all – chucking the green Kool-Aid, but if you are a Celtics fan, as depressing as Game 5 was, you know if you come home and you win Game 6, which you should, that going back to Atlanta, like, it's one game. And I kind of like the idea of, of Brad Stevens in a, uh, in a must-win situation. I really would be interested to see, you know, I don't expect him again to, to, to come up with this crazy game plan or whatever, but you just get the sense that if they win Game 6, that Brad will probably not sleep for the next 48 hours leading up to that that Game 7 tip, and will concoct something that will at least give his team a chance in that situation. And at that point, it's a coin flip. You know, the, 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 we no need to bust out BPI or anything like that. It'll be 60-40 Hawks to the home court advantage. But um, I think the Celtics have an excellent chance. I, I don't rule out the fact that we will be uh, we will doing a bunch of these. And maybe that. And I know there are people screaming at their at their uh, computers right now and screaming at their iPhones saying. You know, don't jinx it and, and, and all that. It, don't worry, people. The, the, the WEI podcast is known for, for not having an adverse effect 
when predicting outcomes. Or having any effect on anything whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> having an effect on people's lives and improving sure, emotion, them through, emotionally, sure. through laughter and um, just savvy savvy business knowledge. Um, but you reminded me of something I wanted to talk about earlier, but I forgot to take up or bring up. One, um, we just uh, found out that Stool Greeny grew up 10 minutes away from the Greendale Mall. Um, so you guys are probably neighbors. Yeah, he's Worcester MA born and raised. But what I really wanted to talk about was um, if the Celtics do win game six, they're headed back down to Atlanta, and Celtics fans love to talk about how terrible the Atlanta crowd is. So my question is, one, was it really that bad? And two, how much better is the entertainment during the games, uh, during Hawks games? Because just okay. hearing the music is just fantastic. And then the description yeah. of the halftime shows, my God, the production values, it's like a Broadway musical down there. <laughs> Well, halftime yesterday wasn't all that exciting. It was a guy painting. It was like millennial Bob Ross painting a picture of Al Horford, which wasn't wasn't great. I give me a, a quick change or or red pin in that situation. But otherwise, I think the Hawks do do a pretty good job with the actual product. They've got the DJ, you know, playing more current hits than the, the Celtics '80s uh, playlist and all that. Now you can't deny, and I think. Boston fans are a little bit spoiled, and, and maybe their expectations of other arenas are a bit heightened. Like the Garden is a is a really, and I, I don't say this because I grew up here. I say this because I've been to most arenas now. It is really like one of the best places to see a, a game, even a regular season game. But when that, especially when the playoffs, when that intensity jumps up, it is really fun in that building, and it's really cool to be a part of it. I think you know, even even as a media member, we need to remember that and savor that when it's going on. Uh, Hawk, the Hawks don't have the same intensity. They got loud. I'll say, like, when they were making their run uh, in Game 5, that that building has some energy. I wouldn't say it's, like, anything comparable, but it's not like Miami where people just breeze in and breeze out and, and aren't really into it. Uh, the, Hawks at le- the Hawks fans at least have some interest in the game. It's just a matter of, again, I think they're kind of bored. They've been there nine straight postseasons. Like, getting out of the first round isn't a big deal to them anymore. But that being said, I think they understand when they get caught up when Celtics come back and make that a series. Uh, but the big, the, and the, the, the biggest issue here overall, though, is that kudos to the Hawks for sending Harry the Hawk out there to do his Prince tribute. It's, uh, it, it, it was not lost on, on the, the observers. Harry the Hawk playing injured because he had a, a, a bad fall, I think, in Game mm-hmm. Two, and he still cared enough about. Uh, Did you see, people fell, people fell for the jump, the the stage kiss cam again. The editor of my uh, website and my probably the guy I'd call my boss, Rob Bradford, was talking about the kiss cam, and I had to let him know that no, it was staged, and he was horrified. I I I, I feel bad. Like if maybe on your first experience, you can you can fall for it, but Atlanta leads the league and plants in the crowd. And listen, again, it's just part of their game ops, and it gets a laugh, and the Pizza Girl went viral. Pizza Girl was back on the Jumbotron last night, by the way, having her own little social media minute where they're like, oh, hey, look, it's Pizza Girl, and she did the same exact thing. So kudos to Atlanta. They, they pull the, the, the wool over your eyes once. Don't fall for it again. See, the thing is, there's like 20 pizza girls in the audience at the Garden anyway, so they, they don't need a plan. There's there's plenty of pizza getting consumed on a daily basis at the Garden. How many... You know what I haven't, go, go know what I haven't found around the league? I haven't found another Gino. <laughs> what about an, uh, a fist pump guy who wears the same blazer every game and is a tiny bit insane? <laughs> a ti- tiny bit? I love tiny the fist bit. pump guy. He's when amazing. they put him next to Belichick in the, in the double screen, it was one of the probably most five 
best moments of my life. His his name is Sukkot Santa. Uh, he's got. Um, he's a man of nanny nanny nanny. Whoa! No, no, I don't know where this this punk guy came from. It was some lazy people coming up with names because that like like oh you know way to be original. This punk guy. Yeah, yeah. Really, really going out on a limb on that one. Like we named him way back in the day. He was Sukkot Santa back when it was you know wasn't quite a nightly presence. Uh, but he's one of the original super fans. I don't. I I, I like Sukkot Santa. Original all the way back to two thousand eight. Very original. Um. So, uh, I was going to ask, how many Red Panda shows would you need in one game for the Hawks experience to live up to the Garden experience? Um, well, see, if Red Panda was at any arena, it would instantly elevate the overall product. So, therefore, I mean, it would bring it, I don't know if it would necessarily bring it to a Garden-like level, but it would certainly improve the Encore product. Like, if Red Panda shows up random night in Milwaukee, like, all of a sudden, the, the crowd is out of its mind. Um I think I might have mentioned him before too. The the, the old dude, the great uh, I'm gonna forget his name, but he he bounces all these chairs and does like a handstand and oh, yes. like a hundred years old. It's terrifying. Like literally, I'm going to see someone die tonight, and I I don't want to see that. And like, but it it it's such an adrenaline rush to watch the guy do work that uh, that he he also elevates the the experience of any arena he's in. All right, that's going to wrap it up for us. Chris Forsberg uh, against uh, seeing people die. Uh, that's pretty much how I can summarize your general past half an hour. We'll have to hope that the Celtic season does not die after this show. Ooh, well done. Oh, segue time. All right, thanks, Chris. We'll talk. We'll see you tomorrow. We'll talk to you again on Friday. Later, boys. That will do it for us here on the Game 6 Preview slash Game 5 Breakdown of the WEI Celtics Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at CLNS underscore Jared Weiss. You can find me at Sam Packard MBA. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe. Write a review. You know what? It's not that hard. A couple of words. I think there's like, what? Is, is there even a character limit? No, you I can mean, just write, good job, guys. Just change my life, period. That's enough. Good to review. Very proud of you. Now listen. This next podcast we do on Friday with Chris, it could be the last one of the playoffs. If it is, we will come back at you with season reviews. Come back at you with just a whole a whole pod of just hashtag WEI Celtics Twitter questions because we've gotten so many of those and we're still sitting on so many more. Um, so be sure to share, subscribe, tell your mother, tell your father because they're ripping everybody out there. We're going to be here. We're going to be kicking it through the summer, so stick with us. It's been a fun ride, and it's about to get even wilder. Also, we will be the place for Celtics draft coverage because I'm going to physically kidnap Kevin O'Connor and duct tape him to this studio and ask him as many questions as possible because I know nothing about these guys, but I know he knows everything. And if you haven't already, go out and uh, buy the draft guide. Buy his draft guide. It's, it's excellent. It's amazing. It's the best. Um, and uh, be sure to find this show, of course, on WEI.com, and iTunes, Stitcher, and the CLNS radio application for your mobile device, as kids say nowadays. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of the WEI Celtics Podcast. She's so
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.